Hear that? Believe it or not, summer is just around the corner. Luckily, Armorall, America's most trusted auto appearance brand, has what your car needs to get that perfect summer shine. Plus, now through May 31st, we'll give you $5 for every $20 you spend on Armorall products. That means car wash pods, protectant, tire shine, you name it. Find out how to get your $5 rebate at Armorall.com. Armorall, less work, more clean. Terms apply. The race is on, and McLaren joined the 2020 party by launching the new Renault-engined MCL35 in an event at the McLaren Technology Centre today. But has the team made a car that will allow Carlos Sainz Jr. and Lando Norris to continue their strong form? I'm your host, Ed Straw, and joining me today is special guest Lawrence Barreto from F1.com, and we'll also be hearing Gary Anderson's technical analysis of the new car. So, Lawrence, here we are at the McLaren Technology Centre shortly after the launch. Great feeling of optimism here. Last year it was all about humility, but now it's all about excitement, isn't it? This this is a team on the up. It's so refreshing. I think you walk around this place and we've been fortunate that we could spend a couple of hours here and you get to meet a lot of the staff who work here and they're happy, they're, they're excited, they're confident. And that's not something you could say about McLaren employees um, for many years when the tough times during Honda. So I think there is a lot of optimism around here. And, you know, even today, they, the car launch, it was... A proper car launch there was a car and I think that's a good thing but they didn't go over the top you know it was all about the car no acrobatics this is the car and this is what we want to achieve and focus on this year yeah very much so very very focused I'm slightly surprised because you're a man famous for your uh, your dramatic trousers and you've gone with kind of old school McLaren sort of a silvery grey trouser colour I'm disappointed do you not have any papaya tra- matte, matte papaya that's what colour the car is now that's probably one colour that's not in my current clothing palette uh, so maybe I need to change that I, I, and I haven't got my yellow shoes on today so that's probably disappointing to you too Ed yeah, you're, you're not you're not as on brand as as, as hope. But yeah, it is it is interesting with McLaren because last year it was all about humility, wasn't it? They kept using that word after some terrible times. But today the messaging is very different. They're they're not ridiculously optimistic, but they are sort of cautiously, sensibly optimistic. Obviously, they're talking about the long term aim to get back to the front. They know that's not going to happen this year. But there's been some areas of the car that have changed to try and unlock that potential. So it does seem also a team that not only has made progress but it's also kind of got that assuredness back in that it, it, they know where they're going they know what they're trying to achieve i think it's that that feeling that they are portraying confidence but they've got like a solid foundation to base that on and i feel like last year they spent a lot of time building on the st- building blocks that they'd put in at the start of the year then we as they went through the year they got results and they got fortune but it was fortune that was deserved that podium in brazil yeah fine it wasn't based on pure performance but it was something that was de- deserved for the fact that they had just been improving race on race all throughout the year i looking at the car this year it looks a little bit more aggressive and it feels like they're taking another step forward and that brown talked today about turning a corner and i think that's interesting because it's the first time like you were saying earlier that they feel like they've maybe got out of that initial holding pattern where they were just trying to find themselves again and it's just a, a real buzz around here a real excitement um but based on pure data and feeling i think that they've been building on 
Well, we had a, a lengthy press conference after with uh, with Zach Brown and his uh, the rest of his leadership team, and he said that he feels kind of everything's in place. And of course, Andreas Seidel, a team principal, James Keith, the technical director, they weren't on board at this stage last year. They hadn't started work. But so again, that that kind of solidity, all these strategic moves that the team's making. There was some questions to London Norris about the next generation simulator they're working on. We know they've got for down the line the new wind tunnel. So just that sure-footedness, which is uh, which is really encouraging about McLaren. You, you did mention the car. And you can see, even though I think James Key called it called uh, the the MCL 34 last year's car, the father of the concept of the car, but you know tighter packaging at the rear, the side pods, etc., some geometry checks. So this is sort of the step in the right direction. A little bit of greater complexity in the car, which is exactly what you see from the top three teams. And I think they've done that, or they've been able to do that because they built confidence from last year. I think they've been able to feel like this is a stepping stone from from last year. If last year was terrible, they'd have to really start again from scratch. And they don't really want to do that, especially in a year when they're going to have to change things up for 2021 next year. Um, You could see from the way that James and um, Andreas and Zach kind of interact, you can see that they've, they've gelled well. I think it's important when you bring new people in if they're independently good they still need to work together well and I feel like they do understand each other um, they both had very quick impacts on the team this is obviously James's first proper go at the car as well since he's joined McLaren and there's lots of detailing I think on that car that is very James Key-esque and I think that can only be a good thing uh, going forward. Obviously the, the, the big challenge is whether they can actually get to the front because it's a very very long way I mean this year they've talked about obviously they want to hold on to fourth place it's not realistic to go for the top three they didn't say anything suggesting that they could do that so it's going to be in terms of results probably kind of more of the same this year but they did say they were hoping they could get a little bit closer to the front I think they're on average about 1.6 percent off in terms of pace last year so sensible strategic uh, moves but also that feeling they're in it for the long haul should we say I think so and you know if they aren't near the big three by the end of the year like you said they're not going to be disappointed if they feel like they've made steps in other areas he mentioned Andreas mentioned about the pit stops that was one of their issues last year so if they can nail that this year that's one something that's going to benefit them from 2021 onwards I think it's just still building all of those steps that they need to do to be a stronger force going forward because they know that they're not going to be up fighting for wins and championships in the short term it's going to take three four five years but that's what they've been working on a long-term plan and I feel like they just are making those steps gradually, and so far, so good. Yeah, it's all about, there's no there's no magic bullets, are there? No. So they have to just do everything really well, like we see from, say, Mercedes, which is the, uh, the, the the gold standard standard team. But also, obviously, the two drivers fit together very well, Carlos Sainz and Lando Norris. They talked about during the live stream launch component, they said that they'd had more input into the car, and they did talk a little bit more about that later. So again, that continuity, that youth as well that they both bring to it. Carlos Sainz, obviously, when he was sort of suggested he was the, the older hand, he did point out he was only 25. I know, so. it's crazy, isn't it? <laughs> but he, he, is the, he is the older hand. He's been around in, in Formula 1 for quite a few years now, and he drove quite superbly last year. So, again, it's just nice and straightforward. They seem to cohere with the engineering team and vice versa. Like you say, everyone knows their place, even though the three of the, the leadership team were being asked questions. They were very good at knowing, right, that's Zach Brown's department, that's Andreas Seidel's department, that's James Key. So, small thing, but, you know, it's, it's feeling like a well-oiled machine. Definitely, and I think that that can only bode well for the future, even if you don't see immediately the results on track. I think a lot of the work that McLaren still need to do is behind the scenes, and that's still getting those systems in place, still getting the teams working in harmony and also maintaining the relationship between Carlo, Carlos and Lando as well going forward because at the moment they're getting on very well 
But I think as the team gets stronger, as they're fighting for bigger and better results, that's going to be something that they're going to have to manage. Also, this is Lando's second year, um, so he's going to feel more settled. He was talking earlier about how he feels like last year he didn't often say what he wanted to to do or a direction he wanted to go in because he thought it might be the wrong one and he didn't want to lead the team down a done the wrong alley and um, this year I don't think there's going to be as much of that and that might bring him closer to Carlos and I think that's when it's going to get interesting yeah as soon as the stakes are higher and everyone wants to assert themselves in the team hopefully it'll be at that level where they push each other on because when you're not fighting for championships you don't tend to get those tinderbox moments in quite the same way no quite and I think I think you're right there were races last year where Lando would often out qualify Carlos but then on race day Carlos his stronger race craft meant he was ahead of Lando kind of in those first first turns on the first couple of laps anyway so I think it will be interesting to see how that relationship develops um, but as you know as of today you could see they were still kind of joking around with each other today they still get on very well um, and that's a really good thing uh, for the team to have they've got two drivers who are keen they're young they want to be involved um, a lot of F1 drivers don't like coming into the factory and these guys have both moved closer so that they can come into the factory more often. And I feel like it's little things like that that make a real difference. Lando Norris did say he timed it three minutes, 20 seconds into the factory since he's moved. And he did stress that was within the, the speed limit. Well, we'll briefly hear from uh, Gary Anderson about, about this car after, after this break. And then we'll be back with Lawrence Barreto in a minute for a little bit more McLaren chat. Well, I'm very pleased to welcome now Gary Anderson to give his technical analysis of the McLaren MCL 35. McLaren, of course, is another one of your former teams, albeit back in the days of James Hunt. It's a team that is on an upward trend. But I have to say, you've been a little bit disappointed with the car in some ways, haven't you? I worked for McLaren back in the late 70s. And I spent sort of three and a half, four years there um, as a mechanic and, uh, and as chief mechanic. And, you know, it's a team actually it's very close to my heart. And probably that's why I've, I've said that I just... Um, don't really see enough in the car, as far as I'm concerned. It's one of those things where I think they've had a very, very good year in, in 2019 on a good upward slope from really having a pretty bad season since they joined Honda. Um, and even before that, they sort of seemed to lose their way a little bit. But the team has restructured itself. It's taken a step forward. Um, Andreas Siddle and, and James Key joining will give them a bit more depth. And uh, I think the future is bright. But I think as far as the car is concerned at the moment, I'd like to see more on it. But a bit of testing to go, uh, and it's four weeks to the first race. So I'm sure there'll be changes on the car, but uh, you know, my initial impression is I would like to have seen a little bit more on it. We can see that the front wing has changed a little, with McLaren inching slightly more towards what we call the loaded outboard concept. What does that tell us? Um, the front wing is, it's again, the compromise between loading the inboard part and loading the outboard part, or create an outwash around the front tyres with the outboard part. I think what they've got is a is a decent compromise. As I always said, there's a compromise between the two. Last year we saw um, Ferrari with a very, very drippy outboard end in the front wing. Um, we saw Mercedes and Red Bull with you know, much more loaded outboard end. Um, so I think there's a compromise in there. I think as the season progresses, we'll see that compromise um, sort of come to fruition. It's just one of those things where you can't create the downforce if you don't have the downforce producing devices but still you want the stability or the consistency of that outwash that helps the car basically helps the rest of the car function so again it's an area it's a bolt-on component i'm sure we'll see uh, some differences in that as the season progresses james key talked about some changes of geometry at the front which will be all about the crucial front ride height control this is an area where any midfield team needs to make big gains to close in on the front isn't it 
Um, James Key, the new technical director, has talked about some changes of the geometry, um, front geometry and, and rear geometry. Now, the front geometry is something there that uh, everybody's exploiting is the change of ride height with steering lock to try to get the car to have more front grip and low-speed corners and or lose a little bit of front grip and high-speed corners. No driver likes oversteer in the fast corners, so, but all these cars understeer a lot in the slow corners. So it's a bit of a, a challenge to get that and also not to sort of affect the steering weight. The driver feels the car with the load in the steering wheel and the forces in his body. Um, so the, the feeling of the steering is very, very critical to, to how the driver can exploit the maximum amount of the car. And that these changes can can make a big difference. Uh, these changes in the front suspension can make a big difference in that area. The rear end of the of the, the car and the the gearbox rear suspension layout is all about minimising the blockage. Nearly all the teams that we've seen so far have had a big go at tidying up the rear end and making it a lot narrower, a lot neater and tidier. That means moving probably the inboard parts of the front of the rear suspension forward a bit, so there's not as much blockage there. It allows the coke bottle to be more aggressive. And the back of the car really does make the front of the car work. So, you know, you've got to get that air, that exhaust air behind the car. You've got this big low pressure area with these big rear tyres, the diffuser, to sort of pull on the car and bring the airflow through the car. And opening that up, getting more airflow through there, which means closing down on the internal components, um, makes a big difference to the whole car, really. So it's an area where everybody has, um, has pushed pretty hard on it. The barge boards on the launch car and anything dramatic. Would you expect that to change a lot as testing progresses? The barge boards need to be, you know, a lot more bits and pieces on them. If you look at uh, the Mercedes barge boards from the end of last season, I mean, they were amazing. Um, how somebody could create that. Now, you'd have to assume by their performance that all of that was working. Uh, I haven't seen all that stuff on the McLaren yet. You know, the huge amount of detail, little turning vanes vertical, horizontal, twisted, whatever. But all of those sort of set up that turning moment and pull more airflow through the front of the chassis and means the airflow across the leading edge of the side pod is travelling faster, which in turn gives you more downforce. So, again, it's a bolt-on component, so I'm sure we'll see developments as, as time goes by. We've mentioned before on this podcast that McLaren already had new concepts planned, and James Key specifically pointed to the area rearward of the cockpit as key, so that's the side pods, the gearbox is more tightly packaged, the whole rear end. How impressed are you with that? Um, McLaren, they, they, they sort of planned quite a lot of um, new concepts, I suppose, but that really is, nothing is a new concept. It's all about exploiting what you've got. You just really have to... The rules don't allow it, really, now. The rules are the same as last year, and even then the rules don't allow for a, you know, any lateral thinking, like the, the Brabham fan car or the, the Lotus ground effect car. You have to exploit and detail everything that you've got and to the maximum, and that's all you can do. I think McLaren have focused around the rear of the car to try to to make it work a lot better. So it's a matter of squeezing everything and finding new solutions to stuff. So they've done that pretty well. I think it's it's tightly packaged. You just need to make sure you get the cooling because, um, you know, these cars need to, to have a lot of cooling because of the, the PU, all the, the power unit, all the, the bits and pieces that go with that. They definitely need the temperature looking after. So what's your overall verdict, Gary? Is this the car to take McLaren on the next step towards the front? We've still got cars to see, but... Do you think it's got a good chance of holding on to fourth and inching towards the, the big three? Um, it's, a, it's a very difficult thing to put an overall verdict on the car. And I think a lot of... I don't see McLaren 
really getting in amongst the top three. I could see them closing the gap up to the top three a little bit. But I could also see them losing out in position because the reality of it is the Haas last year was actually a quick car. They tripped up on the races a lot. Um, and they probably shouldn't do that again this year. They should have learned their lesson. The force in there, as, or it's, as it's now racing point, um, definitely lost their way a little bit. All the changes of ownership and whatever um, meant that they didn't get the best out of themselves last year. But they'll have learned that, and, and this year they should be a strong team. We haven't seen their car yet, but you know they are a strong team. They're a strong race team, so they could be in there as competition. Renault have got a lot to prove. You know they haven't um, they haven't really done what they should do, and they have to do it this year. So they need to be pushing hard. So I don't think it's a case of McLaren um, doing well and moving away from the that midfield bunch. I think it's McLaren's finishing position in the championship will be a lot more down to how good these other teams do it. Do I see enough in the car to close the gap to the big teams? Um, at this point in time, no. But it's four weeks to go to the first race. They need to make changes before then if they're going to really uh, give Red Bull or Ferrari or Mercedes a, a bit of a, a talking to. So we'll see. Time will tell. Well, always fascinating to hear from Gary and plenty for him to get his teeth into uh, on this car. I mean, you did say this, this whole event you were mentioning earlier, just sort of how sort of well run everything was, which again reflects the the, the, the way McLaren's got itself together now because we didn't have any random singing or dancing. No. It's, it's kind of right. There's there's your launch. There's the car. Lengthy proper proper interviews with the with the key personnel and the drivers where you could actually get proper answers on on, on the car. And again, I keep sort of coming back to this. It's this sort of sure footedness and assuredness. They know exactly where they are. They don't think they're a brilliant team that should be winning and they're being held back by an engine as maybe they did a few years ago. But just and, and I just think this is so important because as Renault have been saying, it takes such a long time to get to the front in Formula One. You've got to be on the right direction. Because if you go in the wrong direction, you're adding years to, to that process, and I feel they've kind of they've got their eyes on the on the very long term goal in that regard. Definitely, I think you're right. Today was ruthlessly efficient, and it was very McLaren. I think they they got the car out. They showed that's what everyone wanted to see. They didn't spend too much time having a chat on stage, but then, as you said, they made the pe- the key personnel available so that they could explain the McLaren story. And ultimately, that's all we want. We want to hear from the guys who have been involved with the car uh, across the winter and to get the detail out to the to the fans out there. So I feel like today we learned a lot about the McLaren project. We learned a lot about the challenges that they faced over the winter. And we learned a lot about the targets that they've set themselves this year. And everything sounds very optimistic, but it's very realistic. And I think that's that just shows a team in a very good place. But let's just talk about the the, the targets for the for the team. James Key was asked about this and he said, well, obviously the target is to, to get to the front. And it, it is strange, isn't it? Because when you're in this midfield group, mm-hmm. you are fundamentally limited and there's this vast chasm. And so you have to unlock these areas of the cars. James Key did mention that there's a lot of there's a few areas that a lot of, that a lot of the midfield teams have in common because they just don't have that level of of detail. And it's just such a long haul. So they're in a weird position this year because they could finish fourth at exactly the same level as last year and they'll be a bit disappointed, even if they have a good points advantage. Or they could finish fourth at a much higher level and the results on paper will be ninety nine percent the same. But there's kind of a difference between an outstanding and a a very good, a good, and even an average year, and pretty much they all add up to McLaren being fourth. Obviously, anything further back, they can't afford to do. But no. it's just it's a bit weird for a racing team to have to have that 
that mindset effectively last year they did the best they could possibly do but they were yep. still only fighting for seventh and eighth without others hitting problems i think they are probably facing a year where there's not going to be a lot of fanfare about what they do and i, I don't think that's a bad thing because it kind of means that they can just knuckle down and focus on what they're trying to do in the long term um i think you've got someone like Carlos who's actually facing the prospect of having a worse result in the driver's championship last year because he outperformed um outperformed the car and also there was the, the change between Gasly and Albon yeah that was uh, that was brilliant because it kind of opened the door for a possible sixth place he did very very well to nab it particularly seeing he's had a lot of problems during but I mean both drivers exactly. lost quite a few points Lando Norris in fairness probably had more problems just through through the luck but yeah impressive from science yeah and yeah you're right Lando had uh, the worst uh, run of luck you know at McLaren last year so he'll be hoping that things turn around for him this year but you know if if Carlos finishes seventh um I still think that's the strongest um result that he can get on paper I guess at this at this stage that's still a really strong season for him and I feel like if he can continue to do that and that's what his main aim will be um it sets him up beautifully for for 2021 and and onwards so finally you know everyone's been asking when's McLaren going to be back (laughs) I mean I think my feeling is where they are at the moment they're on the way back which is as good as it it can be they're not back where they want to be yet yeah, this is a team that historically and it makes much of its history in fact we saw obviously they showed some of their historic cars uh in their in their launch video as well but just on that long haul back to the front and reason for optimism so this is all very positive very different to what we were saying about mclaren mm-hmm. 12 months uh 18 months ago it's, it's a place that just just does actually feel like it could be more than just another grand prix team now it's it's going to be a long road and uh, back to where they used to be and you know i was just in the boulevard here and they've got all of the cars you know in the from their history just lined up there and you remember reminded of you know how successful this team has been in the past and that's obviously what they're trying to do recapture those days and but in formula one it's much easier to drop down to the bottom than it is to climb back up to the top and so it's going to take some time to do it but like you just said it um they're making progress and at the moment that's the best you can ask for because if you look around them the midfield team's what other teams can say that? What other teams can say that they're making the kind of progress that McLaren are making at the moment? Not many. Uh, exactly. And, and it's going to be a question of how the car goes on track now. So let's uh, let's see. The proof of the pudding, as I keep saying, is in the eating, which is testing. Doesn't doesn't really work as a metaphor, does it? No, not so much. But I, I'm happy to talk about eating any time. <laughs> I think of the, of the two of us on this podcast, I'm the one who's got the better credentials <laughs> as, it, as it comes to that. So for, the, for those who haven't seen us, I'm uh, on, on, on the large side. I would say that's being generous to me. And uh, Lawrence Barreto is... Uh, if he's facing side onto you, you might miss him. Yeah, I'm on the very tiny side, I suppose, yeah. <laughs> uh, but anyway, as you can probably tell from the fact that the ambient noise has been dropping and people are leaving, the, the event has sort of wound down. And I think we're probably getting some uh, some nasty looks saying we should probably move on. They've been wonderful hosts here at McLaren, but very it's best so. not to outstay our welcome more than we already are. So thank you very much for Lawrence Barretta. You can read his work on F1.com and we may hear from him and some other special guests in the future on this podcast.